Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And this week, uh, we got Sheffield uh, United on the chopping block, uh, courtesy of uh, the FA Cup. So uh, before we get into it, boys, um, I guess I'll start this week by introducing Andres for once. Uh, hey! Since, since it doesn't seem to be... Uh, I was going to say a regular occurrence, but it just doesn't seem to be an occurrence whatsoever. So, Andres, <laughs> how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, quick warning to our listeners, if you hear a major buzz, I am doing laundry this evening. My dryer has been broken for the past week or so, and they finally came with the mi- missing piece to, to fix it. So, I'm catching up on some chores. So, don't get alarmed if you hear a buzz if you're driving. <laughs> It is not something around you. It is my dryer. So just wanting to give our listeners a heads up in case they are listening to this during their commute. Um, and Sam, how are you? Dude, I'm pumped. You know why? We got a road We got a road trip coming up in a couple months. We're getting the gang together. and For the me first and, time ever. For the first time ever, me and Zach in May – We'll be visiting Andreas in Houston uh, to watch a Chelsea game. Uh, I think that's the week of the Leicester City match. Second and it's the last weekend. And we're going to be recording our first ever live podcast. And, I mean, just actually meeting each other in person for the first time. It obviously delayed because of COVID. But, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a long, long overdue. And I'm so excited. Uh, I just found out that Andreas is 6'2". Um, I have no idea. <laughs> and I thought I was going to, you know, I'm 6'1", so I'm usually the <laughs> tallest guy in the room. So it's, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. You're the shortest guy in the room, aren't I? <laughs> it, it just depends. It just depends who you ask. I'm like 6'1", 6'2". Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's like how I'm 6'1". Six, six six okay, so we're, we're the same thing. Okay, I, I might be actually <laughs> 6 feet flat, but... I don't want to ask some six one, uh, but okay, let's let's. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's let's get into this Sheffield recap. So, edgy edgy match. I mean, coming out up two nil was uh, I, I'd say a little bit fortunate for our case because uh, you know it's just the same. I mean, we had we had a an own goal and then a goal in stoppage time. I mean, albeit it was a beautiful, beautiful goal by by Ziyech, but, you know, just a couple missed chances and honestly a very good game from Kepa. But, and with that being said, I'm actually going to go through the starting lineup real quick. So, I mean, just led into it a little bit. Kepa in goal. Uh, so that, that was obviously the first thing that stuck out. Uh, back three of Emerson, Zuma, and Andreas Christensen. I don't know why Emerson didn't play striker after that goal uh, against Atletico, but yeah, it, it's smart. I'm not. Who am I to question what Tuchel wants to do? But then we got the fullbacks, Chilwell and Cho, uh, midfield pairing of Kova and Billy, and then a front three of Pulisic. Finally, <laughs> Giroud and Mason Mount back in the lineup. Um, so I mean, just to start off, before even going into the lineup. Uh, the, the, the Chelsea admins for their Twitter page, they dropped the three separate lineups <laughs> before they got it right on their Twitter. And so I had no idea. I mean, I mean, albeit I wasn't up 
to see it. So I just I just heard I just heard this. Andreas, you were you were awake for this to witness this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what happened? Can you explain? What was the lineup? Just, so the the first one just didn't include Gilmore whatsoever, which really pissed me off because if he's not getting minutes in the FA Cup, he never will. So it was a and ten man lineup. It, it was a ten man well, lineup. No, 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 originally. no. no just so t- totally different eleven. Like it was it was a mess. I I I don't know if they accidentally went into like the archived docs. Like I'm I'm not sure exactly what the issue was so then they they posted a second one and then they posted a third one so yeah it was kind of just a lot of confusion i i didn't write down the specific ones but yeah the at the end of the day we got billy gilmore in the starting 11 but it, it took a few tries that i think the admin didn't have their coffee that morning or something i don't know those early kickoffs you know it's four o'clock for me so i mean if I was running Chelsea Social, I wouldn't even be up to post a lineup. <laughs> but uh, Zach, what were your initial thoughts when you saw the actual starting lineup? The the real one. The um, real one. The it was a. It was a. Uh, I mean, it's a strong lineup. I kind of said last week I didn't want to see a week a week lineup go out there. Granted, there was a lot of rotation. Um, I wasn't necessarily. Uh, as frustrated with like the performance in general because of the lineup, but I'm going to get into that in a little bit. So why don't you get into it right now? No, wait, you weren't even a little bit surprised to see Emerson at center back again. (laughs) I know. Well, no, man. I mean, we, I mean, we've seen him there before and then Tiago Silva is obviously 45 minutes. He's obviously not healthy. Um, I don't know. I I guess that's a little surprising. I I don't want to see him there again. Ever. Was this the first game without Dave in the starting lineup? Uh, under under two did it against Barnsley also. So basically, the FA Cup, game. Dave gets his gets a break. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that so the Emerson inclusion makes sense because it's just you know a, a, a normal fullback playing in the back three. You know. Uh, and he's just, bigger than Chilwell. Yeah, but I mean, eh, th- there's a reason why he was taken off after 45 minutes. Let's just. Uh, Put the there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it it was yeah. shocking. I I'm low key was not expecting Kovacic to get the nod ahead of Jorginho. I expected Jorginho to come back in because he didn't play against Atletico. So to see him there was a bit of, sh- or to not see him there was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm not going to complain about Kovacic starting, but I just figured, oh, you know. He didn't play against Atletico. He'll for sure start here. And, and Zach, you're talking about having a strong lineup. I mean, there's nine changes here, and this is our quote-unquote weak lineup. So yeah, I don't it's still know a strong if, one, too. Yeah, I don't know if we ever field a quote-unquote weak lineup anymore. I don't think it's possible with the type of squad depth we have in general. I mean, even if you do have to resort to playing a guy like Emerson at center back, you look at other areas of the pitch, and you're like, okay, I still – here, here's what I was thinking. You guys made fun of me last week for our, for my score prediction. I said four 0 I was like, "Fuck it, we're gonna do it. We're gonna score a lot of <laughs> we goals." We say that every episode. <laughs> well, well, well. Here's the thing. It's it's. I know the goals have been few and far between under Tuchel, and and that's fine. Um, at least you know he has the defense fix and all that good stuff. We're unbeaten, and that's all fine and dandy. 
But I was looking at the lineup and just thinking, okay, is my could my prediction still hold with this team? Does this team have the ability to score four goals against a crap Sheffield side? And and in my head, the answer was yes. But obviously, uh, I was I was proved to be wrong. So, but 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 again, I mean, Andres, to your point. Like, Wait, so my, we were we were right to is, make fun of you, right? That's what you're saying. We were right to make fun of you. That was the that was the moral of your story. I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody should ever be made fun of for predicting <laughs> a Chelsea blowout. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. I apologize. No one. But, but let's just be nicer overall. Like just be nicer people. No more making nice. fun of people. It's 2021. No more now, talking guys. shit about everyone. Last else. year's gone. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I, but to like Andres's point, you know, he said I don't think we ever put out a, a weak lineup anymore. It's true. I, I really don't think we do. And and granted, that lineup didn't score the four goals that I wanted them to. I still think they could have on, on on any other day. Um, so yeah. Zach, I don't know about that because I mean, dude, we're playing against one of the leakiest defenses in the Premier League right now, and we're struggling to score too. Like, I still think. Yeah, but this is this is their. If you watch the way that they played, um, I think it was Leicester last week. Sheffield played in the league. If you watch the way they played Leicester in the league. And then you watch the way that they played us in the FA Cup. It, 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 it's like you're watching a senior side play – a senior side and a development side. Like it's night and day. The, their league is completely shot, so they're not – they're just not giving a shit. And the sad part is yeah. is that they actually did play pretty well against us. Let's like – let's also keep that in mind. Um, they, they, they didn't play a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. They probably should have had a couple goals. But – yeah, I mean, my point is that this is the FA Cup. This is all they have to play for. So, right. yeah, it, it, it was. It, I think it was naive of, of it was naive of me at least to think that a team like that's going to roll over going into a cup match. Considering you know when you're yeah. looking at it from the outside in, that's it. I mean, this is their season. It's just the FA Cup now, or not anymore. But it was so <laughs> at one point. <laughs> Sorry, Sheffield. <laughs> An FA Cup yeah. with relegation. It happened before. Which team did that? I Wigan. Uh, yeah. Wigan beat City. Yeah. And they got I relegated was... that year. <laughs> like a couple of weeks later. Wigan. Uh, those great times. Sorry, Sheffield. Not going to be you this time. But uh, shout out Wigan. I think. I think. I mean, the thing that Sheffield did a really good job of was just knocking Christian Pulisic around. Uh, like, I mean, I, I, I watched back like this, like cut up, um, like highlight of the game and I, I saw like, it was like four clips in a row, like instantaneous, like back and forth of just Pulisic getting clipped on the back of his legs, on his heels, on his, you know, like just on the floor in pain, like, <laughs> like, I think it was like, who, who was it? Was it, uh. Uh, Baldick, whatever his name is, like knocked the shit out of him like five, six times. Honestly, it was it match. was it was serial fouling. We always see like two or three teams do this against us every year. Well, actually, when not really Hazard since Hazard left. Yeah, yeah, when Hazard was around, we saw it all the time. But yeah. it was like it was almost like they were looking at Pulisic and saw Eden Hazard. Like they were having a shallow. I house do. Type no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Or, or or is that like a reverse shallow health kind of moment? Have you have, you, have either of you guys seen that movie? No. Yes. The Jack Black movie. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't 
bringing up Shallow Hell on this podcast. He is cursed to see people for what they look like on the inside, not the outside. And he <laughs> falls in love with like a 300 pound woman. But well, he, he sees, sees her as like this. He sees the lady that's, oh, what is her name? The actress that's Rosemary. playing. She plays Pepper in Iron Man movies. Oh my uh, gosh. What a, yeah, the, the name goop, is the Goop Girl, whatever her name is. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Her. her. Goop. Uh, so like, this is like when I see Christian Pulisic and I see Maradona and, and Pele combined, right? That On the inside? Yes, <laughs> you have it, Gwyneth Paltrow. And yes, yeah, you, have, you have shallow hazard syndrome. <laughs> but uh, so like be all, I, by the way note to self i gotta stop saying like so much uh, i caught myself <laughs> saying it right then and there no more uh Pulisic, beyond the time that he spent rolling around in pain did did you guys think that he did enough to earn himself another shot to, or at least sorry another start andreas what would you what would you see I think he played a 7 out of 10. I don't think this was the best ever Pulisic performance. I think he should have been on the score sheet today. I do think that his dribbling was much better. I think he also wasn't—the funny thing is, is that I don't think he was trying to make the highlight play today, and then he did. He had the Elastico between three different players, and this is the— the exact run of play I'm talking about that he should have scored. He gets one-on-one with the keeper. Yes, it's at a weird angle. Ball comes right back to him, and he skies it. I think he just didn't know what to do at that point. But his confidence is going up. And my thing is, is we talk about our front three, and we'll get to it in a little bit. I think the more time we give Werner the more you start asking, okay, well, when is Werner going to score? Because we can't keep starting a guy that's not putting in the goals. And then we have a guy in Mason Mount who who has been contributing. And then there's also Ziyech, right? So it's tough for for him to, to outright say that this was the performance to earn him a new start. But I think just like Tuchel had blind faith in Ziyech to start putting him in the lineup from the beginning – I think Pulisic deserves it if he's going to be blind towards Diesh and Werner. I, I don't think he should be playing. If, if he's not going to play favorites, then this should apply to Pulisic too. Again, I don't think he, I don't think the performance alone gave him that. But again, he's finally getting more minutes than a 20 minute cameo when it's, you know, game over. Maybe the, the other team, because they're down, are, are being overly aggressive on the tackles and is not to Pulisic's benefit, perhaps. I don't I don't want to give him all the all the excuses on his behalf because we don't do this for other players. But at the same time, those other players aren't also dropping 10 out of 10s to say that they should start. So it's a weird thing where I don't think alone Pulisic earned himself to start, but I think because other people around him also haven't been dropping 10 out of 10s, I don't see the harm in starting him back-to-back games. Zach, what do you? What about you? There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We've been really critical of Pulisic, uh, especially lately, um, w- with the recent cameos that he's had. But, but this one was, was probably his best under Tuchel so far. Everything was there except the goal for me. Um, and, and, and I, th- I think the thing I was, um, I, I don't want to say surprised about. I don't even want to say pleased to see, but, 
but something that I observed after the match that I really liked was was Pulisic and how disappointed he was that he missed that goal. And, and he and he mentioned it in the post match in uh, in his post match interview. And uh, and you could just kind of hear it in his voice, like he knew that you can't get into the 18 yard box and not score. It seems like all of our forwards ha- kind of have that same sort of syndrome going on, where th- they have two left feet inside of the box. And Ziyech, I mean, Ziyech just found his left foot. He had two right feet in the box. But the point is, you know, guys like Werner, like Andres is saying, now we, we're seeing a little dry spell from Giroud. Um, I don't even know if you want to call it a dry spell. We're just not seeing a lot of him. Um, Tammy seems like he's out of favor. This is Pulisic's time to – yeah, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, I mean, those contract negotiations stalled and kind of put two and two together there. But I don't want to be all Matt Law or anything and just kind of assume that the whole world is burning and that Chelsea will (laughs) dissolve tomorrow morning. Um, No, but – but my point is, you know, Tuchel did have that patience. And Andres, you're 100% right. You know, he he's having that patience with other players. He's giving them three, four, five matches, uh, a run of three, four, or five matches to kind of get their feet under them and, and, and start performing. Um, and, and, and the point is, those other guys, besides Ziyech recently, um, aren't necessarily putting up the numbers that we're expecting or that are needed. Um, so... The goal's got to start pouring in soon or something's got to give. And and for me, I think playing Pulisic um, until he kind of runs out of this little run of form that he's on now um, would probably be the best bet. I mean, the guy looked really, really good. And now combine that with Havertz um, and, and Mason Mount or whatever your idea of that front three is, or even Ziyech because he's in form. Whatever your idea of the front three is, um, or whatever your idea of the most informed front three is, I think Pulisic should be in it um, at this point. So I feel like every week I, 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 I have this conversation and I have this debate in my head and I pick a different player to jump into the front three. But, I mean, again, you? We, we have this conundrum, guys. We, we have six <laughs> attackers, and, and unfortunately yeah. we, we play a system where we can only get three of them on the pitch at the same time. And oftentimes we could really only get two of them on because we have Mason Mount playing. So um, yeah, exactly. it'll be yeah, we really have we see, really have yeah. seven. We have seven if you including Mason Mount because he always plays up front. Yeah, yeah, six without Mount, seven with. I mean, and and only three positions. And I mean, we're not going to be in three cut matches forever. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on these guys um, before the season ends to to kind of stamp their place in the team before Tuchel, you know, goes in and makes up his mind heading into next season. Man, it's kind of crazy. Like, and something that we, a guy who we didn't even mention, he's become an afterthought at this point is Tammy. I know he's been out for a little bit, but, uh, I mean, it's like we're talking about the front three and, like, you know, we're we saying six attackers and Tammy is not even a part of that six. Like, it's crazy how I, – I, I don't know how where I sit – on that, but that that we'll save that discussion for a later time. Uh, let's talk about Billy Gilmore because, uh, you know yee. that it yeah ye to to the to the max because I I forgot that he was even alive. Uh, <laughs> so it's great to see him out there. Um, what'd you guys think of a uh, Billy Goat's performance, Zach? I loved it. I love that kid, man, and and. and... 
I just want to ask before I really get into it, d- did he have a growth spurt or is it just me? I mean, I, I think that I had all, at least I had already noticed it. I thought he he grew going into I think this season. This season, yeah. The first time I saw him this season, he felt taller. I didn't notice it last time he played as much. But for some reason, um, on Sunday, I was like, whoa. Like, not only does he look a little taller, but he looks a little stock. Like, like he put more meat on his bones, which is, which is something that I kind of criticized him for last year. But, I mean, he's 18, so – or now 19. But, no, I mean, it's a good performance. Um, look, Billy is one of those players that if, it, if he didn't have a baby face, you would think he was in the team for seven or eight seasons already. I mean, he looks like a veteran out there. The types of passes he picks out, his composure on the ball, his positional awareness. Um, he kind of has that whole package as a as a midfielder. Um, again, I, it, another really good situation for Tuchel to have. We talk about the attacking issues. Now, now we have another midfielder that's kind of, I don't want to say breaking through because he has been for a while now, but now he's re- his, his talents and his performance is really starting to come to light under Tuchel. Um, and, and maybe he might even warrant himself some, uh, playing time in the league, which I definitely wouldn't be opposed to. I know I've said that time and time again on the podcast, but I mean, you know, he, you look at that performance and yes, it's not a man of the match type performance, but you don't look at that kid and think what he's 18, he's 19 guy looks yeah. like he's 31, 32 stroking the ball out there. Or, or the fact that in 14 games under Tuchel, He's played in two, which aren't back-to-back, and he can, you know, drop an 8 out of 10. I mean, the kid played 72 minutes, 92% pass accuracy. You know, he had uh, three out of five long balls, 78 touches. He was he did his job. And one thing that stood out, and we always talk about, you know, don't forget he's Scottish. The, the, the typical hard tackle from him that we used to always talk about Ampadu doing – it's it's great to see Gilmore bringing in that same grit to the pitch. Uh, you know, you mentioned him getting more minutes. I mean, our next match is against West Brom, who is, yes, they're a relegation side. And also following that is our, our Champions League match. So you would think, okay, there's four midfielders. Only two can start the Champions League match. Maybe you would let them relax before that. And you would let Gilmore play another game. And... Another thing to point out is you play against a West Brom team who likes to sit back. One thing Billy Gilmore does probably best out of our four options, or at least Tuchel's four options, we all wish Mount could play back there a little longer, um, is that he gets his head up and he looks for that forward pass more so than Kovacic, more so than Jorginho, you know, even obviously Conte, who's gotten better at it but still doesn't do it all the time. Maybe that will play into the strategy going into a team that's just going to sit there and try to earn just one point. Uh, so for me, Gilmore getting back in and, and being here is, is a huge positive for me. And, and I wish he played more, but one last thing I'll add is I, I was listening to London is blue and I believe it was Simon Johnson who was their, their guest. And he was talking about one advantage of Gilmore not getting the the green light to go on loan is Tuchel now looks like he's going to be the manager next season. I think we can all agree there. And while a lot of our loanees are getting, yes, those valuable minutes, they're not getting those valuable minutes in front of Tuchel. 
Tuchel right now is is focused on what he has in front of him because he needs to get top four and he needs to get results now. And players like Andrin and, and Billy Gilmore specifically are benefiting from that. Who he talks a lot su- about, by the way. Specifically yeah. Andrin. He mentions and, Andrin a lot. And come this summer, when he has to pick the players he's going to keep around, I wouldn't be surprised if, again, these guys are, are in his list. And, and again, he's one of four players. Lord forgive any of the three players ahead of him get injured. But if it happens, then Gilmore slides in. And that's not a bad option to have off the bench or even rotate it in. So so for him to play and, and for him to, to be staying in Tuchel's radar and and apparently, you know, any chance he's asked about it, Tuchel just continues to speak positively on him. I think he's being handled the same way Pep handled Foden. And it took three seasons for Foden to be where he is today. We're in season number two of Gilmore. So... Again, you mentioned it, Zach. He just turned 19. Obviously, we've seen him perform well and compete against top-level sides. I think it's it's a good thing that he's still around, he stays healthy, and when he's asked to, to perform, he does. So I was just happy to see him out there. I thought he grew into the game. Even when you're first time getting minutes in a long time, I thought that it was a good performance, even with the rust. So, yeah, it was nice to see Billy play. That one quick thing on Billy, that long ball that you mentioned, Andres, that's something that Tuchel speaks a lot about. Um, and, and his first, what, I don't know, maybe five or six matches in charge, that's a direction that was very clear that he was screaming to the players during the matches was was to play that ball quickly. And and Billy does have that ability to to filter the ball quickly through the midfield, like a Jorginho. But he also, yeah, he has that ability to play the ball over the top too, which is something none of our midfielders are capable of. So Tuchel could be looking at that and saying, man, if I could groom this kid, this can be, you know, basically another sort of teacher's pet under Tuchel, potentially. That would be nice. And I wouldn't I like mind that, shout. honestly. I like, I like the shout from Andrea saying uh, against West Brom, maybe seeing him. It makes a lot of sense. Um, that is a good shout, yeah. But that would be nice. Uh, who, would you, who would you start, though? Would you go like... Anyone. I would probably go Jorginho and Conte um, in the Champions League. Oh, in the Champions League matchup? I mean, I don't know. We, we'll save that for our uh, preview episode, but I, I think against a, t- a team like West Brom, you can put Billy Gilmore and pick the next name out of a hat, and it'll be fine, <laughs> to be honest. All right, let, let's let's move on to the next. We'll make this the last point. Uh, Ziyech, a wonderful goal, like, that touch and the finish was, you know, it was just it was just one of those extremely technical goals that not many players are able to pull that off. Uh, so it was it was nice to get that little taste of what Ziyech, the kind of goals that he can score. It's not just all you know curlers from outside the box. You know, he he has that touch and. Uh, I'm I, sorry. Did I say last week that he's pretty good at arriving in the box you did you did uh huh. interesting but, i mean zach it, you see you, you're talking about that and the performance you know he's had what two goals in two two matches mm-hmm. uh do you think ziesha is truly back has the magician finally arrived i certainly think he thinks so i love the cockiness that's coming from him i mean he's <laughs> celebration he, He's having he, he yeah that little you know 
what zip your mouth shut and throw the key yep. away celebration for all the haters. But no, I his performances um they've been big for us and 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 I said it last week also. Tuchel leaned on him in the Champions League because of his experience in big games and because he's been there and done that before and. We kind of, we saw that come to fruition in the Champions League, and again he gets the call here. Granted, it wasn't a very good Sheffield side, but helter skelter game, it's a good goal. Um, I think the guy's in form. I I think he is. Look, if a player's confident, that's you've done your job as a manager um, to a certain extent um, in terms of managing his personality. At least you want your forward players being arrogant and being. I don't know. Yeah, you want to mean cocky like that. Um, we talk about it with Diego Costa and how we were missing that sort of swagger up top and that, you know, that bully. But at the same time, we're also we're also missing the style and the flair. Um, and Ziyech brings that to the table completely. So I'm really happy with the performances with him. Um, I think uh, it, it's clear now that that he can play in the system. I don't think that's a question anymore. I think he can pretty much play anywhere across that front three. And um, the one thing I am interested to see is uh, if and when uh, we plan on uh, playing him in a central role, um, like a more traditional central role, not necessarily sharing it with another 10. Um, but of course, I think that's going to come uh, only if there's a system change. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with him. So, um, Sam, I think it's time... Um, you can you you can put your magician hat back on and and, okay. and hop back on that bandwagon, dude. It, it it's been a long time coming, man. I mean, for for a lot of these guys, especially for Ziyech, because he started the season out so well. I forget who it was against, but he had two assists and a goal. And I'm thinking like, man, we finally got that guy who can just kind of pick the locks of defenses and you know make that nine man backline of Burnley and you know the Sheffields of the world and the West Broms of the world completely obsolete with one pass. And then it kind of disappeared for a short time, but, but, but Tuchel seems to, seems to have brought it back. So, you know, all the question marks for me at this point are gone. Um, I, I still think there's deficiencies in his game. Of course, you know, the inability to play on his right foot, he's not very quick. Um, but, but positionally and, and, and technically he's, he's been brilliant and, and, and that's been enough for us so far. So yeah, long may it continue. Andreas, what what do you what do you think about this arrival from Hakim Ziyech? Is he here to stay? It's hard, man. It's it's so hard to choose our front three. I <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I think you know Zach alluded to it earlier. It's so hard to figure out how to set up our eleven because right now the system system is king in a way. You know, the if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And against against hard, tough attacking opposition, I, I'd probably not start Ziyech just because he hasn't shown me the the engine and, and desire to do the defensive work. But against teams like this, sure, keep playing him against teams that want to sit back and are going to give him the time and space. I mean, yeah, I that's totally fine with me. I think that Ziyech, like Zach said, cocky and ego is the ego starting to show. That's a good thing. If a guy is starting to believe in himself and he's ready to zip people's mouths, I, I hope he continues to perform the way he's performing and, and maybe he'll prove me wrong that he doesn't defend. And 
just getting somebody to start scoring is so important. He had, I believe, a 17-minute cameo. So to put a stamp on that with a goal at the end was was nice. We we haven't been very clinical in counterattacks, so the fact that he did finish that and it was it wasn't you know the cleanest and and you know he didn't have five seconds to think of what to do. It was kind of quick counterattack. Had to react quickly while in the box. It was it was good. It was a good finish and and it made any worry of a Sheffield come late comeback go to rest. So it was good to see that. I it's just tough, man. I I, I can't tell you who who starts. I, I just don't know because like Zach said, every week somebody else is contributing to an extent. And and just earlier we were talking about Polisic playing better, mm. but then I I feel like I can't drop Mason Mount, and it's just yeah I. <laughs> yeah, I mean that question. We got we got a Twitter question from at Michael No Digits. He said maybe a fun banter topic. Ziesh two goals in two games and looks like he's finding his mojo. Werner owns the L10 spot. Havertz looking up uh, number nine. Mount, I mean, is that a valid question? Whether Mason Mount could possibly <laughs> lose his starting spot after? For most of the season being the, I know we, we we said some names last week, but at the end of the day, Mason Mount's been the first name on the team sheet every week without a doubt in the in our biggest games at least. Uh, what's it looking like right now, Andreas? What do you think? <laughs> uh, um, you know, out of the three that Michael mentioned, for me, I think Havertz is the the one name that I think needs to start in the middle just because he's the, the false nine Giroud again he can perform here and there Tammy's still hurt so I, I can't even put him in contention right now because I haven't seen him play and haven't seen him be healthy yet here's my thing again I mentioned earlier system is king we're winning games because of our defense and and what we do off the ball so for me it's hard for me not to play Werner and Mount who just give you everything and more in terms of the runs and, and the work rate for 90 minutes. Even if they're not going to score 50 goals a game or, or in a season, obviously we're not even scoring three goals a game. It It's that work rate that I think is, is so, so key to what we've been doing and we've been doing so well. We're not even, we haven't even mentioned Cho, and I think that's because he's been good at wing back that we don't even mention him as a front three option so far. Uh, but for me, it's it is hard to get rid of those those three names that that Michael mentioned. Even with ZX scoring two goals in two games, uh, it's just just hard for me to to not put Mount and and again even Werner not scoring. I I feel he covers more ground defensively. So please somebody prove me wrong. I'm. I'm all for it. If if Ziyech comes in, scores goals, and plays, you know, puts a shift defensively, play him. I I don't think there's a wrong answer here. And Zach, I'm I'm sure yours will vary a little bit, but I I'm not gonna be like, no, you're wrong because again, we are unbeaten so far. Zach, you there? Yeah, sorry, I was on mute. Um, cool. after, after recording, you know, halfway through this podcast, you know, it, it, it's dawned on me guys. How about we just stop trying to predict the front three every week? 
um, and just kind of enjoy each player's performance as it comes. Because it doesn't seem like we're gonna get we're gonna get any answer anytime soon. All of these guys are hitting some sort of run of form, whether they're scoring goals or you know they're doing other things. Um, I don't think any you know any of the ones he's mentioned between Ziyech, Werner, Havertz, or Mount. I don't think either of them have necessarily played bad. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just a matter of the opposition that's there. Um, depending on who we're playing, if we need a little bit more uh, ingenuity in the midfield and and a little bit more work rate, we know we're going to have to defend. Um, maybe against some more quality opposition, Mount needs to be the, be the first name on uh, in that front three. But yeah, either way, you know those are all really good options to have considering the performances that they've had recently. All right, let's uh, move on to another Twitter question before we wrap up this Sheffield recap. This one's from Prashanth. Uh, he still he still hasn't given us that pronoun the correct pronunciation, whether it is Prashanth or Prashanth, maybe Prashanth, but I'm gonna guess Prashanth, uh, which really messes up our nickname Prash with the rash opinion, um, but not not quite as rash this week. <laughs> Game was as bad. <laughs> that was pretty rash. Game was as pretty bad. Game was as bad as Barnley, or was it much worse? Why do you guys think it's so difficult to score? It's not one person who is out of form, but the entire team looks out of form. As far I'm, I'm assuming, it's just talking about goal scoring. Uh, what do you think Tuchel can do to improve us? So, I mean, uh, I think to kind of summarize his question, like because Barnsley was probably the worst match that we played under Tuchel. Do you guys think that this was this was our new worst match played under Tuchel? Or was Barnsley worse? Andreas, what do you think? I still think the Barnsley match was worse. I Again, yes, Sheffield was there and they could have done something more with this match. But, you know, there, there was nine changes to the starting 11. And Zuma is just now getting back into this lineup. Emerson played a minute against Atletico. Billy Gilmore, I mentioned it, has only played two matches. Cho's playing a new position every week. Pulisic and um, and uh, Giroud come and go into the starting 11. And surprisingly, Kepa was the, the best player. I, I have nothing to say about Kepa. I thought he was great this, this match. But you talk about not being informed, I mean, the truth behind all this is that this was a rotated match. And, and when you have this, you know, it's, yes, again, you can compare us to, to City and how they can change things and all that, but City's also four years into Pep's side and, and there's, there's now consistency because they get a lot of injuries, so them rotating isn't really shocking by any means. But under Tuchel, you know, we have... We talk about we're not ready to pick the front three, but that's the only place that really changes. I think that the back, you can argue that the back seventh, and if you only put eight with with the keeper, doesn't change very much. So when you kind of flip the cards here and you're trying to give people breaks, it's not going to be this well. And that just comes with more reps. Now, in terms of why it's difficult to score, there was a point where Sheffield had six players as a back line. I mean, 
they are it's not a league match it's a cup match so they are okay with defending with 11 and and taking this all the way to penalties it's their whole job was to not let us score now again they were good also offensively and credit to them but i i think we need to stop thinking that we're going to open up the floodgates and just appreciate the fact that a manager that came in halfway through the season has made us the best defensive team in England and our defense is what's going to carry us because right now Tuchel is not going to start flipping and, and changing X's and O's and, and try to create an offensive dynamo because his job right now is just to get points and it can be ugly and I'm okay with that. Now, if you tell me next season, he's had a full preseason and, and we're still not scoring, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, something has to change. But for now, I will gladly continue to take the one nils and the ugly two nils for the rest of the season because, again, he came in midway through the year and has steadied a sinking ship. Definitely. Enough said. Uh, no. <laughs> for real. It, 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 it's one of those games where you just can't read into it too much, you know post-Champions League, right before the international break, team that just lost their manager. I'm not giving the, I'm, I'm not giving us any sort of excuse to slack off whatsoever, but we got to be able to take these performances out of context and, and look at the big picture. We're, we're still well on our way with, with exceeding our target. So happy days if you're a Chelsea fan right now. Paul, and, Paul uh, Heckingbottom had a great st- strategy against Chelsea what can we say Kick the I shit still out of love us. that name I still love that name so much hacking bottom be hacking bottom for his <laughs> tactics oh yeah definitely he's he's a hack as well <laughs> all right let's talk about the Champions League draw because amidst all of the confusion and and just shithousery our last week of our uh, rankings of who we'd want to play uh in the champions league draw this was the most this was the most favorable draw we could have asked for just overall the quarterfinal and the semifinal draw so uh i mean i'm sure all of our listeners are fully aware we drew porto which in my opinion and i think the rest of my co-hosts share here porto uh, out of the group is by far the weakest team, um, especially especially with Notaremi in that first leg. I mean, they really have zero weapons, uh, you know, beyond that. <laughs> but um, and then uh, in the next, if, if if we do move on, which I'm I'm gonna go ahead and st- pre- throw out my prediction right now, we will in fact uh, advance. We are going to be playing the winners of Liverpool. And Real Madrid, which, if anyone listened last week, they sparked some <laughs> very heated debate between Andreas and Zach of who they would more likely or m- more rather face in the next round. Uh, so it was uh, when I saw it, I, I literally laughed out loud because it was the day I think it was the day after we recorded that episode. So there was still like some tension from that (laughs) so the fact that we saw that i mean uh, so i'll I'll ask the same question again so we have the same debate (laughs) (laughs) but really i mean i don't know do we have should we continue that 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 debate 
the back well, and forth to this episode. Would wins, you rather face whoever wins the draw? Whoever wins the draw will prove yeah, one of us right. Yes. Okay. Yes. I should have. I don't know why I didn't think of that. So whoever wins that draw was right. Okay. You guys both agree to those terms. That's fine with me. Very simple. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and and, the, and you know, all of that being said, the best part about all of this is that PSG, Bayern, City, and Dortmund. Or on the other side of the bracket. So if we do somehow make it to the championship, which, I mean, to the finals, which is honestly, like, within our reach, it, it, we only have to, you know, the, we'd, we'd only have to face the one of those guys, uh, or we wouldn't have to face one of them until then. Um, so, I mean, I'll start off with you, Zach. Just your overall thoughts about our chances. Uh, I mean, you know, if you want to start off with Porto, and you know, also looking ahead to the semifinals, and then just our overall chances. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's the favorable draw we all wanted. Um, but but with that being said, um, I'm gonna bite my tongue on making fun of them, man, because th- they made it this far, uh, and I think it's safe to say that. Any of these teams could could honestly go on and win it, but but when it comes down to Porto, I think obviously with them being the least likely, we do have to take into account that they did knock out Juventus, um, who've been strong recently in the Champions League. So it's not going to be a game where we can necessarily go out and kind of or or, or two legs where we could go out and roll over and kind of. Uh, uh, put them away early. They're going to be up for it, and they're going to have a lot of energy for it. I mean, this is this is going to be one of their historic Champions League runs of recent memory. I think when was the last time they even went this far? Was had to be Jose. Have they gone that far since Jose? Don't think so. There's no. I'm not way. sure, but there's no way. But but I mean, just taking that into consideration. I mean, you look at how big of a match this is for their club and their supporters. I mean, they're going to show up, and they're probably going to give us their best per- two performances of the season. And honestly, that's how Chelsea needs to approach the two legs. Um, you know, we have everything to lose, and they have nothing to lose. Um, and those are usually the scariest teams to play against. So, um, you know, we saw it against Sheffield, for example, a team that had nothing to lose playing against us, and 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 they made us, you know, uh, clench our butt cheeks a couple of times during that game. It was one of those. It was one of those. You know, it, it could be a potential banana peel. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So I think the first leg is very important. Um, obviously, getting uh, getting a solid lead going into the second leg is going to be huge for us, and we could we could lead on our defense. But um, yeah, happy happy uh, days for Chelsea fans in the Champions League um, with that draw. And then obviously on the other side, um, we even got more fortunate because uh, we got the the winner of Liverpool and Real Madrid, which is way better than getting uh, PSG. Man, uh, PSG, Bayern, or um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank here. City, City. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. So yeah, n- no future spoilers, man. Good thing we really avoided City. Th- thank God, thank God. Well, not only City, I was also worried about Bayern um, as well. Just because, I mean, it's it's fucking Bayern in the Champions League, and then PSG, you can't. I think I think you totally missed those... the joke, Zach, but that's no. okay. But yeah, <laughs> I, I did miss well, the well, joke. He'll get it in like ten minutes when we go over the FA Cup draw. There we go. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that would have. <laughs> imagine, dude. That would have sucked if we had to draw city. That. Oh man, that would have sucked so much. Yeah, but Andres, what do you think, man? Are, are I mean, I think this it? is we quote unquote have the most favorable because I don't want to see say easiest, but most favorable path to the finals and. You know, I, I really don't want to get ahead of myself, but a couple of weeks ago, I think it actually about a month ago, our buddy Dave, a.k.a. Black Emoji, asked me, you know, why why should I get excited about what seems to be a temporary manager coming in? And, and I painted this very, very pretty picture of a, of a, of a team struggling midseason who hired a manager, <laughs> a manager that brought back players from from locker room darkness into the starting 11 and started getting results. And, you know, it's, it's the path is there. I mean, we had to go through a Portuguese team last time, you know, we had to play Benfica on our way to playing a bigger team like Barcelona. So what if we have to go through Porto to face someone like Real Madrid before facing someone like Bayern in the final? I mean, it's the the similarities are all there and I'm trying really hard to not just, (laughs) if, if it goes, if the, if the route goes Porto, Real, Dortmund, then it's the exact opposite. It's like the polar opposite of what happened last time. (laughs) The polar opposite. That would be crazy. You never know, right? (laughs) Did you see Holland's first touch? From last weekend on the goal he scored. Yeah, thank God he's on the other side of the bracket. On yeah, him. man. But, yeah. but the point is, you know, it's there, and and I think as much as we want to talk about you know favorable draws and everything, I, I still think that in this tournament style, we we don't have to put eight bodies in the back line to defend well, and I think that's something that really favors Chelsea, and also you start seeing teams maybe think that they need to alter their tactics when they face an odd formation. So maybe that's something that'll play into our advantage too. I mean, last spring when Lyon made their run, they forced city to change their formation to match their back three. And then, you know, they dismantled city. So, you know, if we we're already becoming a headache for these potential matchups. So we know we're not going to change how we approach that the matches. So maybe it'll, it'll cause them to to play off of you know one week's training to to match our lineup and 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 it can be favorable so i'm ecstatic about it i i'm with you zach i think porto right now is the cinderella story in the tournament so for them it's it is a lot more of you know anything moving forward is a huge plus especially because they're they were before this season struggling really hard for money. So being this far in the Champions League is already a huge bonus for them. But mm. I'm sure that they were coming in thinking anyone that draws us is going to think they were let off easy. And, you know, lest they forget, they were the ones that knocked out Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Juventus. So mm-hmm. I think Sam's right. Not having their starting forwards is a huge thing while they're at home. So as long as we can get a one nil victory in the first draw feel good. We just need to continue, you know, being there defensively and, and doing our part in the away leg. And, and yeah, who knows, who knows, man, it's, it's, it's good times right now in terms of, of how the, this tournament's shaping up. I mean, about them being the Cinderella story of the tournament, luckily the game, uh, it's going to be on, uh, April 7th. So, 
there won't be any March Madness going on here. Um, so no Cinderella story. I'm sorry for all my in, American listeners who know what last March Madness I'll, is. Yeah. One last thing I'll add real quick is that the Porto matches are also extremely favorable in the schedule for Chelsea. Uh, the first one sandwiched between West Brom and Crystal Palace, and then the second one is sandwiched mm. between Crystal Palace and Brighton. So it's not like we're going to come off playing City in the FA Cup and straight back to to the Champions League. So Thank God. we should be able to manage our starting 11s for, for both situations, the Premier League and the Champions League. Well, for for th- all three situations, for the FA Cup as well, because it's it's not going to be sandwiched in between, so... Uh, yeah. Well, right. Let's so let let's actually uh, go into that FA Cup draw. Um, so you know we got first of all we got to start off with our Twitter question from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He wants to know what our thoughts are on drawing City. Hey Ron, we're about to give our thoughts right now. Just wait a second, okay? But <laughs> so unfortunately. We drew City in the semis. Uh, Leicester drew Southampton on the other side. I think the biggest surprise here is that City did not draw Southampton because, I mean, they always get the easiest draws. Leicester, thankfully, I mean, good for them. Not thankfully, good for them. They were the lucky ones who got them. Uh, But, yeah, obviously, you know, this is not the ideal draw. Probably the, the... the last team you'd want to play against but it's what we what we got zach uh, i know i know that you said that we're probably the hottest team in europe right now last week but mm-hmm. you know an fa cup how, how do you think we're gonna fare against city like how, how good do you feel about it um obviously this is the biggest test for tuchel it's gonna be the best team he's played against um as Chelsea manager um and then uh, you know of course there's a challenge of managing against Pep Guardiola that's a completely different story but yeah I mean look I, I don't feel bad about it whatsoever I still stand by my statement I think we still are um the hottest team in Europe uh it, actually we are the hottest team in Europe uh still so Teams are not going to want to play us, uh, whether that's Man City, Bayern Munich. Uh, it could be anybody. Um, nobody wants to play against us. And I think that that statement still kind of stands. So in terms of what we're going to see in that kind of game, in that match, um, I'm curious to see how much possession Tuchel is willing to to give up um, to make sure that the, that the defense stays solid. We know that Pep doesn't give up anything whatsoever. Um, so that can be an interesting tussle there stylistically. Both managers are gonna are gonna look to get get their teams on the ball as much as they can. Um, but I, I'm gonna look for that balance with Tuchel, um, the balance of possession football um, and combined with you know making sure that we are staying defensively soft as a team like City because City are one of those teams that could sleepwalk through a match and then come up with 15 minutes minutes of just absolute brilliance where they where they look like the best team in Europe so we have to be wary of that I'm sure Tuchel's going to be wary of that and um hopefully on the day of we'll be ready for it uh does anybody know when the date of this game is 
in reference it's to when the April, league ends and the Champions April seventeenth. Uh, so okay. it'll be about like a week after our uh, Champions League matchup. Here, I can yeah. pull it up right here. Yeah. So um, first leg is the seventh, and then we play Palace on the tenth. Second leg on the thirteenth. Brighton on the seventeenth, and then the City match. Oh wait. Yeah, the, those those matches are actually set on the same day, so obviously mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, the FA Cup's going to take precedence. So it's going to be four days after the second leg um, against Porto. Yeah, um, so that, that that just goes to show you that first leg against Porto is even more important for that, um, yeah. just so we can have the have the luxury of maybe fielding a, a weaker lineup in the second leg but andres um the second leg is at home up. by the way so, uh, first leg yes. is going to be at porto oh okay yeah see look if we go into porto first leg and we smash if, two. We, if we walk we out of there two, two nil if we walk two. out of there two nil i feel really 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 good about our chances in the second leg right. fielding a rotated squad two one nil gives us nothing we need two yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. Zach, but, you predicted four nil, and we got a two nil. So I need to predict an eight nil to get a four nil. Is that how math works? That is, uh, yeah. Divided yeah. by two. I think that's the All formula. Right. I guess, I, I guess that's my formula because because for us to win, Sam needs to Sam needs to guess a, a high scoring draw. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. And then whatever and then, it takes, man. Whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Your formula plus my formula together. We, we, we could have gone if we figured out this uh, sooner we could have gone undefeated this season Damn. Man, maybe yeah. but but i do want to say obviously we would have rather faced city in the finals but in a way call me crazy i think this is a blessing in disguise if we can get quote unquote the harder game with city over with and can focus on the league again before a potential final i will yeah i rather get this done and if focus on win, champions league too <laughs> yeah if we win fantastic if we lose honestly there's bigger fish to pry oh do we punt do we punt the fa cup that's no that's the no, next no, question no, no. not at all you don't you don't I mean, you strategically we could we oh. we want to win this game no, chelsea loves kidding. the fa cup we, we, every were cup you're in. we were just there last season and, and unfortunately played the worst game of the season against arsenal in the finals but i I mean, again, I think there's bigger fish to fry. I want to beat City. I think this this has kind of that Conte beating City 3-1 at the Etihad, like, written all over it. And it's at Wembley, so that favors us always. Of course. Pride of London. <laughs> Right, I yeah, think that's it, Zachary. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that kind of wraps it up. I mean, guys, it was a it was a productive week. If you're a wait, Chelsea hold fan. on, hold on, one sorry, what? one second. I, this I, I can't believe this slipped my mind, and we do this every week. We have to mention that I'm going way back to the Sheffield recap. Shout out to Ben Chilwell, a goal and an assist. Yes, I'm counting that own goal as a goal. <laughs> so. He's back in form. I don't know why we keep on forgetting to talk about him, but don't forget. Chili Train is still chugging strong. It's picking up speed. We're chugging along there, that's for I sure. Necessarily say chug. Yeah. 
But um, but yeah. Anyways, if you're uh, if you're not following us on Twitter by now, uh, make sure you are uh, at Romans Empire Pod. We're also uh, available via email, Romans Empire Pod at gmail.com. Um, it's international break, guys, so uh, we're gonna most likely record a, a preview episode the week before. Um, so make sure you're keeping your eyes open for that. And until then, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>